the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. You're listening to SoCal Live with Scott Furrow on 99.5 KKLA. Text Scott right now in the SoCal Live studio at 213-537-3812. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow. Great to be with you on this Friday. And as we usually do, it is Open Line Friday. On today's show, we'll talk about different things, but if you want to change the subject, we will take your call on anything you want to talk about. The number is 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. You can also send me an email at SoCalLive at KKLA.com. And so any if you've got a Bible question, if you want to follow up on some subject that we talked about earlier this week and you didn't quite make it on the air, we had a couple of days where we had a lot of calls left over at the end of the show. We're on from 3 to 5 each and every day, Monday through Friday, and it's always a pleasure to be with you. So once again, the number is 888-528-2557. Bible question, question about the news, comment to make, something about previous show, all kinds of stuff. Open line Friday. All right. Yesterday, during the second hour of our show, I didn't mention it because it was just coming through, but there was a verdict in the Murdoch trial. Is it Murdoch or Murdoch? I think it's Murdoch. You know, I think... Is it Murdoch? See, I think I keep it's spelled M U R D A U G H. But they kept saying Murdoch in the trial, like his lawyers. Might be one of those things where the pronunciation isn't what you think. I don't know what it is. What I do know is that uh, this guy is convicted murderer now and he's going to jail for the rest of his life. All right, Mr. Murdoch, I sentence you to the State Department of Corrections on each of the murder indictments in the murder of your wife, Maggie Murdoch, I sentence you for the term of the rest of your natural life for the murder of Paul Murdoch, whom you probably loved so much. I sentence you to prison for murdering him for the rest of your natural life, those sentences will run consecutive. That was uh, the judge in the Murdoch trial. If you've been paying attention to that, his name is Clifton Newman. And I'll bet he doesn't get a lot done every day in his courtroom because he talks pretty slow. That's one way to have... (laughs) I just had this thought. It's like, you know, if you want to have fewer trials come across your desk as a judge, then you can talk very slow. I suppose if I ever had a radio day where I'm just talking really slowly like this, it's because I've just lost whatever it is to say. The the stream of consciousness has just run out. Or it's because I'm trying out for a job on NPR. Because they do that on that show. Don't don't they do that on there? Like, imagine if this show was, hi, ladies and gentlemen, this is Southern California Live on NPR. 
National Public Radio. I'm Scott Furrow. That's how we would do it. We'd hardly get to anything. It would take too long. I know that I talk too fast. So I – well, not always for radio. But when I give out information, I try to slow it down. Like the number, it is Open Line Friday. You can call about anything, 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. I don't mean to make fun of the judge. It's just something that crossed my mind there. Uh, and it's a serious thing that a person is getting two life sentences in a row. And just some uh, advice to you if you're ever on trial for murder, uh, it's not a real good idea to uh, go on trial and uh, tell the jury what a good liar you are, which is what he did. You know, I would think that testifying that you're a really good liar uh, and a successful thief and a serious drug addict is not going to sway the jury in your direction. Just a thought about that. That's uh, I didn't. I don't know why this became such a big deal. A couple of days this week, if this was just live on cable news on every station all day long, um, and maybe it's because he was on the stand. And I guess we get fascinated with that, you know. And uh, you know, I guess if you go on there and you're like, "Hey, Jerry, I'm a really good liar," you know, I want you to know, which is what he did. This is the part I watched. I'm a really good liar because uh, he got in trouble for lying about his whereabouts at the time of the murder, and it turns out there's a video. Uh, uh, that has his voice clearly on that video being right there just moments before uh, the murders of his wife and son happened. If you're a really good, uh, that's what he told the jury. I'm a really good liar. Uh, and uh, also I'm a successful thief. You know why I'm a successful thief and I stole all this money from my law firm? Uh, because I'm a good lawyer or liar or liar. Didn't mean to make a lawyer joke there, but it's, it's uh, you know, Freudian slip. And they said, oh, and I'm also a serious drug addict. You know why I got away with being a uh, drug addict and opioids, doing opioids on the job for so long? Because I'm a good liar. You know, not a good, not a good path, I'm thinking, to, uh, to all that. The jury didn't buy it. They convicted him in a very short period of time. The, he got consecutive, consecutive life sentences from the judge because of his lies. It just seems like he wasn't taking in responsibility. But here was something that also the judge said and I'm scratching my head at it a little bit um, in this. And uh, I don't know if you even pay attention or do you care? I'm assuming that some people must care about this because it's on everywhere. I'm looking at the screen right now and it's still, you know, they're playing this story. Um, maybe there's something I'm missing that's just fascinating about it. But anyway, this is this is something the judge said that I thought was curious. These circumstances hurt my wife, Maggie. Now, this is actually a Mr. Murdaugh uh, making a statement and then the judge responds to him. Any circumstances hurt my wife Maggie and I would never under any circumstances hurt my son Paul Paul. Well, and it might not have been you. It might have been uh... Now he's just been convicted <laughs> and so the judge says eh, it might not have been you. Well wait a minute the jury just said it was him. Now he's going to clarify what he means by this in a second. The monster you become when you uh, take 15, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 opioid pills, maybe you become another person. Um, I've seen that before. The, the, The person standing before me was not the person who committed the crime, though it's the same individual. Um... We'll leave that at that. I don't know if the judge, it's just a curious thing to me. The person who committed the crime is is not necessarily the same individual who's standing before me. Do you think that's, that, 
I think I'm understanding what he's trying to say here is that sometimes, and I know that some of you have known this, you get, if you've had an addiction problem or maybe you have some mental health issues, you don't seem like the same person. The, the problem is, is that you are, right? And that's, you know, this is the same person. This is who this person is. There is something about, you know, and maybe the judge was just trying to relate, you know, I don't want to say that he's trying to get uber philosophical on this point. But I think it's an odd thing to say that the person standing before me, this is a judge talking to criminals and people he's sentenced to life, and that the person standing before me may not be the same person who committed this because you're a different person when you're on all those drugs. Are you a different person uh, because of the the struggles you have or the sin that you have? Does that make you a different? I say no, it doesn't. That's that's part of who we are, right, is we have these these struggles and I, there's something to this, right, where sometimes we, when we do something that is terribly wrong, and all of us have had failures, uh, most of us have not you know, murdered our, our wife and kid, but we've had terrible failures in different places where you want to say, that's just not me. That's not who I am, right? I've, have you ever said that about yourself? Because something happened, this just isn't who I am. This isn't. The, the thing about this is that it is actually who you are. And I think we have a hard time with that. We have a hard time acknowledging that we are sinners. We have a hard time acknowledging that we have responsibility for the bad things that happen. We want to put that responsibility on somebody else. And in in cases like this, where you can't really blame somebody else, where the jury has found you guilty, there's nobody else even as a suspect of doing the crime. There is no investigation anywhere else. You know, how do you do this? Well, then I guess what you do is you take the blame off yourself and who you really are, and you put it upon who you are when you have your drug addiction or whatever it is that you find yourself out of control. But that's not actually an excuse. I think it's actually very childish. It's something that, you know, that that kids do. My kids will try to find, you know, other ways to blame themselves out of, you know, blame somebody else or something else for something wrong. Do you ever have that kind of thing? For some people, they struggle with always trying to find someone to blame. There's actually a a biblical sin that's called fault finding. It's the idea that you're just always trying to find, you know, somebody else is always to blame, you know, or maybe you've just got an issue with, there's just got to be some kind of fault finding that goes out there. I heard a a woman speaking, uh, and she was talking to um, some women at a marriage conference, and she had this funny thing that she said. She goes, ladies, you blame your husband for everything? She goes, I had a real hard time blaming my husband for everything, uh, not just things that were really actually his fault, which got a laugh, which I think is funny. But then she said, but I blamed him for things that he had nothing to do with. And she said, I had such a problem with this that one day I was making a salad, and I was alone in the house, and I was making a salad, and I'm stirring it up in a bowl on the counter, and I stirred too fast, and the bowl fell off the counter, and it turned over, and the salad I had just made was headed for the floor. She said, in my mind, in that moment when things are going in slow motion, she said, in my mind, I had found a way to blame my husband for spilling the salad before it even hit the floor. And it's got a big laugh, because I think we've all kind of done that in different ways, right? We, we're totally responsible. It has nothing to do with anybody else. And yet we will search for a reason, as irrational as it is, to blame somebody or something else. And, you know, that I think is part of our, our sin nature, the, the nature that we have uh, as sinners, that 
you know, that it goes right back to the Garden of Eden, right? You know, Adam and Eve are there, and Eve takes the fruit off and eats it and hands it to Adam. What does he do? Well, he blames her, but she blames the serpent. And, uh, you know, and I don't think Adam has any standing at all to blame his wife, by the way. He obviously must have been standing right there. He didn't do anything to tell her not to eat it. She just was probably closer to the tree and in the middle of her conversation, right? And he gets the blame for it. Do we struggle to take responsibility for even simple things in our life? Does it, do we feel like maybe it's some other person? I'm worried about our, you know, I listened to this judge say this, that the person standing before me isn't necessarily the person who committed this crime because you're a different person whenever you're on drugs or whatever, uh, except that you're going to sentence that same person standing in front of you to, to prison. You can't sentence this alternate personality to prison and let the guy in front of you go home. Like, it, it doesn't make any sense. I'm concerned that as a culture, though, we're going to try to make that make sense here pretty soon. You know, that we're going to find a excuse, and we are doing that in some respects, right? In in our laws about theft in the world today, we are making excuse for some people who are stealing stuff to say, well, they had a bad childhood or they had these disadvantages and whatever, and so it's okay. And the thing is, is that it's not okay because the shop owners have to do something. Somebody's losing somewhere. And people say, oh, they got insurance. Well, yeah, but you got insurance, but somebody's paying for that somewhere. And I know the insurance company somewhere is in a marble building downtown and they got a lot of money, right? But they're getting that from everybody. It There is a cost. And when we try to separate the actions from the individual, when we do not hold people accountable, what we're actually doing is harming all of society. Everybody then pays and that's not justice. Usually, you know, and there, and this isn't to say that there aren't issues where, um, you, there aren't issues where there's sentencing that's bad, or there aren't issues where uh, people or groups who can't afford, you know, better attorneys, you know, have some injustice. That's part of uh, a problem that we have. But we've come to this place where all of a sudden we're finding so much reason to excuse people's behavior. We're doing it that is at the heart of why we have continual drug problems and homelessness problems. We do it in the area of theft, where we see these uh, CVS, you know, a drugstore getting knocked off of everything. And uh, there's a video I watched this week, uh, right in Los Angeles, where people robbed an Amazon truck. Did you see this video? So the Amazon truck had stopped at a red light or something. And they pull the driver out, and she's just standing there. And there had to be 30 people, 40 people ransacking this Amazon truck. And they're all pulling packages out of it and running away with the package, which kind of made me laugh because uh, my wife orders all kinds of stuff like toiletries and things like that from Amazon, you know. And I thought, I wonder how many guys ran out of there with a big box of Depends. Like they got home, <laughs> they got home and, uh, oh, I got, I got this. Uh, what do you think about this? 888-528-2557. 888-528-2557. Are we moving to a place where we are beyond responsibility for our own actions? There has to be some people coming off that Amazon truck very disappointed with whatever they found in those boxes. You know, just <laughs> there's you can buy anything on that, that. I'm not advertising for those people, but you've probably heard of it. And uh, it and then they robbed the driver. Somebody just the driver standing there with her purse over her shoulder and uh, she had her purse snatched right from her. She was shoved to the ground and her purse jerked off of her. And I'm wondering, are any of these people going to be held accountable for that? See, and, and 
the way this works then, and it's is the all those packages do not arrive at whatever destination they were supposed to have. And that means that all of those people expecting those packages will now complain to Amazon about it. Amazon will either refund their money or send them another one. And so there's a cost involved in that. So it's true at the end of the day, grandma is going to get, or grandpa will get his depends eventually. He might have a couple of rough days until then, but they're going to show up. But there is a cost that somebody's going to eat. And you know who that is? It's everybody. The cost of everything comes up. See, the, the cost of theft, the cost of insurance, the cost of criminal, you know, uh, criminal investigations and the, the cost of what you have to deal with with credit card companies and the refund and everything. There's, there's a ton of different costs that are out there. And everybody pays for that. The price of those depends and the price of whatever it is that you're ordering from wherever the price of gas, the price of shipping, the price of insurance, all of it goes up when this happens, including from people who are doing the stealing. You know, their their prices go up for everything else. You know, eventually they pay for it, right? Eventually we pay for things. Nothing is free. Nothing just shows up. You know, that's why when whenever we have, you know, somebody says uh, this is coming to you for free from the government, you just have to put the red flags out. Nothing is free. The government doesn't have anything that it doesn't tax people for. It's not free. You're paying for it for sure. And you're going to pay for it eventually. There's no way around that. Um, and we're not holding them accountable. I wonder how much of that we're noticing and what we're going to do about it. But I wonder if it comes from a culture of human beings who don't want to hold themselves accountable for anything. 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557 is the number. Let's go to Cindy in Studio City. Welcome to Southern California Live. Oh, hello. Hi, Cindy. How are you? Oh, good. This is a really good topic. Um, I'm calling in because uh, to touch on a few things that you said, the one with the being accountable, and um, it's really sad that um, people that do have uh, alcoholism or drug addiction, they may be a, ba- a blackout drinker, and there's many times you hear about they wake up and they don't know what they've done, and now they're going to prison because mm. they were in a blackout. That's one tragedy. I, another tragedy mentioned on the stealing um and uh before i get say something with that i i'm not sure what this means um because i don't have the education you do uh studying you know religion i i've heard that there's a spirit of fear um so is that a spirit <laughs> but okay okay but, but here's here's what why i really called to was because i have a friend that was a nurse a single mother that raised her children on her own, including twins, and uh, she was a nurse. And then she had health issues, and so then... Oh, Cindy, I might have lost you there. You still there? I didn't get what you just said. You you disappeared for a second. Oh, oh okay. Can you hear me now? Yeah. Um, so, so you have a friend, and uh, you were getting to the point where she was losing her job. Well, is well, a nurse because of her health issues. So then she went on to become a psychologist and help people in recovery. Okay, so where, you know, in some place, uh, children. So, But where I'm going with this is 
today she is in a homeless shelter. She has spent her whole life serving the community. And she's writing to the governor. She's writing to her congressman. There were bed bugs. She's helping young girls there. She's like, I guess I'm like Paul. I'm to be content wherever I'm at. Mm. She cannot on her Social Security afford an uh, a place to live and and she's tired of living as a roommate with people and that that's too much it's nine hundred dollars a month and she's not going to let go of her car i mean this is very serious here is a a normal person in a homeless shelter that served her community all her life it's getting really bad out there yeah and it's you know and it's tragic and i we need to do more in this area as Christians. Like you, you had mentioned her, or I heard this. I think it was your uh, where, where you said on um, on one of your talks how they are um, they should take a camera in. You know, the president should go visit uh, visit the homeless shelters. Oh, it was about it was about the president should have visited the uh, shelters for all the refugees in El Paso. Instead, what they did was they cleaned them out, and and then they weren't there. He didn't actually see them. Well, he should visit the ones here in Los Angeles, where there are people that have worked all their lives and they can't live off Social Security. This is tragic. Yeah, it's tragic, and I think. I think, Cindy, thank you for calling Southern California Live. I think at the heart of it, and this is kind of where I'm going to, is that there is a cost that everybody is facing, including your friend, to the fact that as a culture we are not, we are moving to a place where people do not take accountability for their actions and they they are not expected to take accountability. Where if a crime is committed in some cases, often this person isn't even prosecuted. And, you know, once again, that's not to say that there haven't been prosecutions that are unfair the other way, but you can't just not prosecute you got to do something. And in these areas of our homelessness and drugs, when we just allow people to keep doing it and we don't have an expectation that they are accountable or that they should get sober, the cost that is involved, part of the reason that things are so expensive for your friend, part of the reason that we cannot find places to live in Southern California and that it's so terribly expensive is because the cost of all of this is real that the dollars that are being stolen and these people are not being prosecuted, the dollars that are being spent to not help people get over drugs and to just sort of empower them to keep doing it, it's growing homelessness and the dollars that have to be spent in order to take care of the problems to the extent that we're actually doing that. Here's the crazy thing. Uh, It's affecting our housing prices, it's affecting our bills. You probably got that terrible gas bill last month and we got a message saying that your gas bill is gonna go up, not your gasoline bill, that's going up too. You know, everything is affected because it affects insurance, it affects law enforcement, it affects um, healthcare, it's all together. And as, a hum- as human beings, if we're not willing to hold people accountable or hold ourselves accountable, there's a real financial uh, cost. All right, I got to take a break, and uh, I see your calls on there, Lucy and Cynthia and uh, Thomas. We'll get to you when we come back. It is Open Line Friday. You can call about anything you'd like, 888-528-2557. Scott Furrow, this is Southern California Live. I'll be back as the Friday edition continues. You're listening to SoCal Live with Scott Furrow on 99.5 KKLA. Welcome back, everybody. Southern California Live. Good to be with you. It is Open Line Friday. 
That means you can call in with anything that's on your mind, 888-528-2557. We were talking about the Murdoch trial and the issue of accountability in our own lives and in the crime that we're seeing everywhere. And so we'll continue that with your calls here. We're talking about uh, thefts and people not being held accountable for that and how much there is a great cost to everybody when that happens. The number again is 888-528-2557. Lucy in Los Angeles, welcome to Southern California Live. Hi. Um, hi, Scott. Hi, Lucy. How are you today? I'm good, thank you. How are you? I'm good. So the reason I called you, actually, you literally touched my very recent and actual topic. Um, last Friday, I went to a grocery store for shopping, and someone stole my whole wallet with all my credit cards, ID, and everything I had. Did they do that in front and, of you, uh, or did they sneak it away from you? How did this happen? Actually, it was in my pocket, and mm. then accidentally I felt that I started kind of feeling light, mm-hmm. and immediately I checked, like it was within first 10 minutes as I entered to the store. And um, I, just in case, asked the customer service, they said, no, we don't have anything, and then immediately I entered to my phone to check my application. Fair enough, they start immediately shopping from Near East, um, CVS, and Walgreens. Yeah. And I started blocking my cards, so then I went to file a police report, and police said, so because of the times, I'm exactly sure what time from which store did they do a purchase, and every store has a cameras right now. Me being non-detective, I mean, I can find that person, like, within five minutes as, as soon as I have the authorization, right, for, to do so. Mm-hmm. And um, this policeman said, well, the most they can get, it's slight misdemeanor where they're not going to go any jail time or something, if any, like very minor something. That's why they know that they can get caught, but they still do it because lately during these elections, there were two propositions passed with a green light and uh, it took a lot of policeman's um, power away. So basically, and he said, with prognosis, actually, it's going to get worse because people know they can steal and without any consequences. Right. There is no consequence that's um, anything significant. And so that's the problem. I'm sorry that that happened to you, Lucy. Um, It's okay. I mean, that's the least evil could have happened. But it was the day before my birthday. I went to shop for my birthday end up blocking all my cards and coming back home but i mean still it's fine but just i'm really very concerned about this existing condition and what as christians can we do about it well i think one of the things lucy that we can do and i and this is really meant to give us some peace is realize that the bible explains that we are going to have times of lawlessness and you know that's you know it's it's a it's not to make an excuse for it because there are some other things that we can do but we should also not be surprised that the culture is going to move to a place of lawlessness where crimes will not be punished and that means that criminals know you know if i don't especially as a culture that's becoming less and less spiritual where we we don't believe in god you know if you don't believe right. in god and you don't believe that you're going to get in trouble for the crime there is no reason not to go do it that's rational exactly right and so yeah. we're becoming more and more 
more and more of a dangerous society because of that. So uh, I'm sorry that that happened. You know, do you do uh, do your bills get paid automatically? Yes, they are. Yeah. So one of the things that happens is if you have your credit cards uh, and you've just canceled them because of this, you got to make sure that your your bills get paid because they're still going to try to charge the old card automatically. Unfortunately, I yeah, I tell you this from experience. Right, but they go mostly from account, not from my card. Oh, okay. Well, that's good. From the account, yeah. So. Yeah. Hey, uh, can I'm I do something? That, yeah. just... Lucy, can I do something for you? Can I send you yeah. a birthday gift since it was your birthday and you had this happen? Oh, my God. I will, I will send you a coffee mug and a book. How about that? Great. Thank you. I would so appreciate that. Thank you so much. Yeah. See? That's why they stole it, because something greater was expecting me. Well, and the best gift you could ever have is a Southern California Live with Scott Furrow coffee mug. Absolutely. <laughs> All right, Lucy. I highly appreciate that. Thank you, Scott. Thank you for calling. Hold on, and uh, Jared's going to get your information here, okay? Just hold on. Don't hang up. Sure. All right, 888-528-2557. Cynthia and Laguna Niguel, welcome to Southern California Live. Hey, Scott. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you, Cynthia? Good, good. So I just wanted to touch on this Murdoch case a little bit. Yeah. So, of course, everybody's all over it because it's on Netflix or YouTube or whatever, I guess. Is that why? I don't, anyway. I don't actually yeah, understand yeah. why this is such They're a huge all, deal. Yeah. That's why. It, it's all over. So everybody's been watching it and then talking to people and, and spreading it. So that's one thing. The, it is astounding. It sounds like the judge is almost giving the guy a plea for his drug addiction to use to get him off after he sentenced him for, for murder, uh, which, and that's number one, and I'm not in the legal field, but number one, the judge shouldn't be doing that, in my opinion. Number two, he's not a, he's not a psychologist. Um, I've never heard a judge do a that before like that. I've, I've never heard I that. I mean, very bizarre. The only thing I can think is him knowing that this was a high-profile case he was talking slowly when he read the verdict because it was so significant, like newsworthy, that he was taking his time and that, you know, and, and I'll, I, I don't know if he was trying to make a moral statement by saying, look, it must have been the drugs, like, or I, I don't know where the judge is coming from, but totally bizarre. Yeah, he might have just been, uh, sure, you know, he might not have had much thought behind it, but I hope that he wasn't doing something that would actually lead to a possibility of a retrial or, you know, was it, yeah. odd, it was an odd thing to actually say, well, maybe you're not the person who did it. Long pause. Right. Well, wait a minute. Of course, right. the jury just said you did it. What do you mean? But I wanted to say just from a Christian perspective, and, and maybe this is why this case has gotten so much attention to this is like pride unleashed. Mm. This is years and years and decades of a family um, that has been prominent and it's, that has paid off police, has paid off neighbors. I mean, if you watch the, the shows, they own that town. They own the people. Mm. They own the political status. And so these, this family had so much heritage of paying people off and, but you know what? We do that. We do that as sinners. We do that. Yeah. Even though this is something that's very, very extreme, we use our connections. We, we, you know, we, we, we take our pride and we use it to buy people, to get our way, to, 
And these people just did it to such an extreme degree that I think that's why it's fascinating it, that this guy was so delusional in his own pride that he thought he could do anything and get away with it. Yeah, and that, that would make sense then because, I, I, like I said, I didn't follow it enough, and then suddenly it's on all the cable news stations, and I'm watching yeah. this guy, and he's talking about what a great liar he is, and I thought that's a really odd thing to tell the jury. But because now I understand why, because he thinks it is a good deal. And look at prideful man. And that's I mean, you're so ridiculously caught up in your pride. You can't even see how ridiculous you sound. Yeah. 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 To be boasting in front of God, country and the judge and the jury that's going to convict can for sure convict you anyway. But. Like, you know, just put it out there that, you know, you're still the greatest guy in the world because, you know, you're the greatest liar. Yeah, well, I appreciate you uh, helping me out with that because uh, that helps me understand why this was even such a big deal, fascination of this. I mean, yeah. it was so odd to me. Yeah. Uh, that's not a, it's a kind of a slow news week, but hey. Um, but yeah, also sure. that, that helps. That certainly is, I think you're right, the pride that you would have to have and that this works sometimes, right? That's the other side is that maybe it would have worked. Uh, right. You know. And, and, and we're to blame, too. Yep. I mean, the people that, that fueled his pride are to blame. That's right. You know? That's right. And I'm not going to go back and blame his family or his friends, but it seems like there's a history. There's of, a history there. Yeah. You know, I can do anything, get away with it. I can do anything with get away with it. So whether it's, you know, it's a legal situation or it's in your own family and friends, you know, constantly buttering you up and saying what a great person you are after you've, you know, trampled over everybody. Um, and this guy did that, you know, in spades. Yeah. Um, but well, that, that's where it leads to. I appreciate. The, yeah, I appreciate uh, you you mentioning this. And uh, you're right about that. And that's why accountability matters. It has a cost later. Right. At personal right. costs and economic cost. We have to have accountability. Uh, and hold people accountable. Thanks for your call, Cynthia. Appreciate that very, very much. The number is 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. Open line Friday. We'll talk about whatever it is you would like to talk about. Thomas from Irvine, welcome to Southern California Live. Hi, yes. Um, so um, the, the screen caller, uh, she told me that I, I, um, I can talk about what the, the topic I wanted to talk about, which is the, the Jesus Revolution that I just saw. Yeah, did you see it? Thursday. Hey, can we do yeah. this? I got I know you've been on hold for a long time, so I wanted to grab the call, but you, I got to take a break. Can you hold on just a couple more minutes, and then we'll talk about Jesus Revolution? Can oh, you Can you do sure, that, Thomas? Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for your patience. Just hold on. I got to take uh-huh. a break, and then I'd love yeah. to hear what you thought about the movie. Yes, uh, this, yes. okay. The, all right, I hold on. This is Southern I California Live. Scott Furrow your, is uh, your host, and I'll be back as the Friday edition continues. Stay tuned. This is SoCal Live with Scott Furrow. Text Scott right now in the SoCal Live studio at 213-537-3812. That is 
is singing that doesn't come from church. It comes from a movie theater right after Jesus Revolution played, and a church group went and started singing that song, and some people in the theater received Christ and uh, got saved after watching that movie. And it's a video you can watch, and people are praying, and it's kind of interesting and uh, that this what this movie is doing. Uh, and before the break, we were talking to Thomas and Irvine, and Thomas just saw Jesus' revolution and wanted to talk about what it's about. The number is 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. It's Open Line Friday, so we'll talk about whatever it is you want to talk about today, 888-528-2557. Thomas, uh, welcome back. Thanks for holding so long. You just saw Jesus' yeah. revolution, and you wanted to tell us what you thought. So it not wasn't only very good; it was far out, out of sight, and groovy. <laughs> it was the far out of the day. Sounds like I you was, might have um, used those words uh, more regularly back in the day. I was um, uh, around going to the uh, tent meetings at uh, Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, and um, and after after church itself when they were building the new church. And uh, then, of course, Greg Laurie came along and was saved at 17. Yeah. And so the, one of the best uh, scenes in the whole movie is when Lonnie Frisbee spoke to him uh, face-to-face um, when because uh, uh, Greg Laurie was running in the scene and then by his house, it was that night mm-hmm. after the... Uh, yeah, he went into his house and he started talking to, now in the movie, just so people understand, is the pastor is played by Kelsey Grammer, Chuck Smith, and Lonnie Frisbee is, yes. is uh, um, what's his name, Jonathan Rumi is the actor who comes in and uh, has a conversation, a heart-to-heart about reaching out to the hippies that Pastor Smith uh, thought just needed a bath. Yes, that's right. But um, of course, his wife Kate said, "Well, they're lost, and we need to let them in." Yeah. And so Lamani Frisbee came along because uh, Chuck Smith wanted to see a real hippie. So his daughter met Lonnie Frisbee that just came down from uh, San Francisco, yeah. the Haight Asbury district, and he was um, um, he had been uh, preaching like all over the place right. when he got saved, and um, then he told Greg Laurie, "I saw a vision of you." that you're going to be speaking before thousands of people. Yeah, and, that's a true but, story, um, that part there. Yeah, and um, and Lonnie Frisbee said he was going to be moving to Florida, and Greg said, no, don't leave me, don't, don't leave, don't leave. And he, but Lonnie said he, he, um, he had to go because... They, he felt like um, that's what he needed to do. There's... Munich, yeah, there's a lot to that story there, Thomas. But Thomas, for our audience here, you would recommend the movie, right? He said, stay, stay, help me get there. Yeah, but he made it there because it's the Lord leading him, ultimately. And, no, uh, you know, and that's Christ what happened. He said he's moving to Florida. Mm-hmm. And, and, of course, uh, Chuck bought a church um, that was uh, falling apart, and he got it for cheap in Riverside. Yeah. In the, the and, uh, but when um, Lonnie uh, didn't want him... Uh, Greg didn't want Lonnie Frisbee to move to Florida. He said, no, please stay, stay, stay. Yeah, he did. Hey, Thomas, Thomas, I got to go on to some other calls, but I appreciate you calling and telling us uh, that you enjoyed the movie. 
thousands of people. And Greg said, help me get there. Yeah, he did. Hey, Thomas, thank you so much for calling and listening to Southern California Live. I'm glad you enjoyed that movie. And uh, it's a good thing to talk about today, by the way, if you've seen it or if you plan to see it or you had a uh, certain uh, experience with it, maybe you brought a non-Christian friend. That's really something I'd love to hear is if you've been able to use this movie as a tool to bring somebody who doesn't know the Lord to and what that conversation was like. That's something I think that uh, you can do. The clip I played a minute ago of the singing, uh, you know, people got saved. I don't know that you should bring your guitar to the movie theater, but it worked in this case, right? Um, There are people joking about that in that video. And I thought, well, I've been thrown out for bringing my own food in, you know, to the movie theater before. Uh, I don't know if it was the food or they didn't like the fact that I also brought in my grill. But uh, at any rate, 888 Five two eight two five five seven. Open line Friday. We'll talk about whatever it is you would like to talk about. Christine, welcome to Southern California Live. Oh, did you say Christine? I sure did. How you doing, Christine? I'm okay. How are you? I'm doing great. Well, thank you. I didn't think I'd have time. I just want to warn people because of something that just happened to me on the lines of stuff you can't believe. Is I just had heart surgery November 8th. Mm. Open heart. Uh, it's 50-50 chance I'd make it. God got me through it. Um, and when I got out, I called my landlords where I rented a room downtown. My husband died. That's all I could afford. They did this. And they evicted me. Got rid of all my stuff and changed the locks. They did this while you were in the hospital? That's correct. I was dumbfounded at pictures of my son that died at 21. I mean, uh, <laughs> the little I have, I'm very poor. You know, but anyway, I now working with these navigators, people from social services, to find a place because I have to leave this uh, nursing facility pretty soon. Okay. I have nowhere to go, and they told me that's a normal scam. That for years, these uh, farm landlords, when they're in the hospital, they act like they're trying to contact you. They never called me or wrote me to my mailing address. Never. You know, have you uh, have you contacted an attorney about this? No, because I, I what I'm saying is I don't think it would matter because this has been going on. They will just they lie all the time. These uh, landlords. Yeah, you um, know what, uh, Christine? I'm not an attorney, okay? But it's prompt. Most attorneys will give you a free consultation, and it's yeah. what's happening. What you're describing, you know. I realize there's always different circumstances, right? But what you're describing does not sound legal to me. Um, it's not. Oh, it's and not and uh, yeah. so you might have some uh, some help there, and you need that help because getting into a place is very difficult. Okay, I do know that. Yeah. I, I know. Uh, Especially with my yeah. Can I can I encourage you to uh, speak with an attorney? And if uh, if you want to, um, I can put you on hold, and I'll get your number, and I can send you a name of uh, somebody I recommend. Uh, sure. All right. I'm, I'm going to put you on hold. Jared is going to get your phone number, and uh, we'll we'll connect you with uh, somebody here. All right. 888-528-2557. Open line Friday. 888-528-2557. Susan, welcome to Southern California Live. Yeah. Hi. Hi, Scott. I love your show. Thank you, Susan. I, I lived that movie. Hi. I lived that movie. The Jesus Revolution movie. It was about you. Yes. Yeah, it was. I went to Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa. Um, uh, I heard Greg Laurie talk. Um, I became a Christian at the age of 16 at Van Nuys Baptist. But um, I was actually a part of Keith Green's um, ministry, the Last Days ministry, and it looked just like the home ministry that they showed 
and the movie. Yeah. Um, I just happened to go to college, but it just brought back so many memories um, of wonderful uh, times worshiping Jesus, and um, it was just a really great time in the world. I wish it would repeat. What do you think? Would, what do you think is necessary today? Like, what it was it that brought you to Christ at sixteen? that you think might be um, the same thing today? Um, I read um, Hal Lindsey's Late Great Planet Earth. That okay. was really popular. And um, I was afraid the rapture was going to come and I was going to be left behind. Okay, all and, right. Uh, I asked, I had friends who were Christians, and um, they talked about the rapture and the book. And uh, I actually went up to um, one of the Christians at Van Nuys Baptist and said, I want to become a Christian. And um, I had prayed lots of times um, to receive the Lord, but nothing ever happened. And so finally, I prayed in the parking lot at Van Nuys Baptist, and nothing happened. And then this fellow who was helping me said, why don't you start telling people that you're a Christian? So I did. I just, by faith, started telling my friends I become became a Christian, and the Holy Spirit fell on me. Mm. And I just felt so free, so clean. And um, one of my friends gave me a Bible, and I started going to Van Nuys Baptist regularly. Um, and I've been a Christian ever since. Well, I'm glad. Uh, one thing I want to yeah. yes talk about is the music of that time was so beautiful. We sang rounds. Um, we sang. Um, men would sing. Women would echo. We would sing. Um, and it was congregation singing. Everyone sang. Yeah. Everyone sang John three sixteen. Everyone sang, um, you know, Micah six eight, and it was it wasn't um, a show in any way. It was a participatory, congressional, uh, congregational singing. Yeah. Like I exalt thee, that you just played. You know, it's a powerful thing. I'm I'm running out of time here, Susan, yes. but it is a powerful thing, isn't it, when a congregation really is singing to the Lord. Yes. Um, and uh, that's something that if you're kind of yes. shy in your church about singing, you know, don't be. Just sing to the Lord. Uh, do it. Right. And uh, you're not right. doing it so that others will hear you sing. But when somebody comes right. and they hear people sing, you know, other than a concert or the seventh inning of a ball game, people don't really sing together. Right. Uh, but they right. do in church, and it's a right. wonderful, wonderful thing. Yes. So yeah. I love the movie. I strongly encourage everyone to see it. Bring your friends. I'm going to my wrap my husband. He's a Christian, and um, I'm going to encourage my uh, children to go. Yeah, yeah, it, good for it you. Really happened. All right, Susan, it thank really you, thank you way. so much for okay. calling Southern California Live and telling us about uh, Jesus Revolution and your experience there. Appreciate that very, very much. There, uh, the movie's doing better than expected. Which the best news about that is that it means it's going to have more dates and more theaters. So you know, a hundred more theaters have added this movie, and they've added a whole bunch of dates. It's not going to be around forever. You know, at the theater, I recommend that you go. And, you know, go to it with the with uh, an open heart to what the Lord might be wanting you to do. And maybe there's somebody in your life that God wants you to bring. This movie is a great tool. It doesn't mean that the movie is going to solve everybody's, you know, problems or answer all of their questions. But it's going to create conversation between you and somebody who needs the Lord. It's it's a tool that you can use for discipleship. I really believe that. So maybe you got to go and see it first and then bring your friend if that makes you more comfortable. But this is an opportunity right now, even as we come up to Easter, 
to do it. All right, we're going to take a break. Next hour, I'll be back for Hour 2 of Southern California Live. Open line Friday, 888-528-2557 is the number. I'm Scott Furrow. I'll be back as the Friday edition continues. Stay tuned. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs> 